0: Hello, my friends, Eric Feltes here, life coach, speaker, actor, and host of The Great Unbecoming. This is a show about stories of unlearning. What did you let go of in order to become the person you are today? And what did you gain and learn as well? This is a show about letting go of stories that no longer serve us and stepping into our own authenticity. It's about unbecoming what society says you should be and remembering who you are and who you are meant to be. So sit back, Relax, and welcome to The Great Unbecoming. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Great Unbecoming. It is September. One thing I always think about when I think of September is the movie You've Got Mail, particularly when Tom Hanks says that the fall always reminds him of sharpened pencils. This has absolutely nothing to do with our topic today, but I just love that movie so much. It's so charming. Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks at their finest, in my opinion. Um, I just love them, and I love that movie so much. And I love the fall. Um, For the entire month of September, perhaps even a little bit into October, we, together on this podcast, We'll be exploring the topic of grief. Um, I know sometimes we hear the word grief and we think, why? (laughs) Why would we do that? (laughs) Um, There's a lot of reasons why I want to talk about grief. For one, I want to sort of demystify the grieving process. I want to sort of normalize conversations around death um, and, and hold space for what's going on in this world and what's going on in our hearts. So... All month, and perhaps even a little bit into October, I will be bringing on guests who have experienced grief themselves. We'll be talking to my friend Carrie Drapak, who um, who lost her mother this year. We'll be talking to um, my new friend Cami, who is a Cami Thelander, who is a uh, a grief coach one reason she's a grief coach is because she lost her father um, when she was 11. And what 11-year-old knows how to process that level of grief? So we'll talk to her, not just about her own experience, but about what she helps others, how she helps others with grief in the world. Uh, and what's interesting, actually, is that I'm not sure if we talk about this with Carrie, but I know this personally about Carrie, Both Carrie and Cami, both of them incorporate a lot of movement um, in their practices, which I'm going to talk a little bit about how movement can help the grieving process. Just moving your body. Um, I'll give you just a very surface level, (laughs) my own thoughts on that. We're going to be talking to my very dear and best friend Megan Reardon, who lost one of her other best friends um, to suicide and what that grieving process was was like and is like for her. Uh, We're going to be talking to one of my ex-boyfriends who lives in Chicago, John Marshall, who is uh, engaged to be married in October. So excited for him and Patrick. Uh, And John has become one of my good friends and he lost his mother this year as well. So we'll talk to him about his experience. And um, I've been having—I've had a couple of these conversations, and they're just so enlightening. It's such an honor to hold space for others in their own grief. Um, I don't know what happens after we die. None of us know. We can pretend to know if that helps us to avoid the discomfort of not knowing. But the reality is, is that none of us know. The only thing we know is that death is inevitable. What I what I do believe, um, I don't know how I don't know what I think happens after we die, but what I do think is happening now. Not only is grief all around us, not only is grief happening all the time, but I do believe that telling stories can help us to keep the memories of the people we have lost alive, and I do believe that telling stories and remembering those people who have impacted our lives were not with us anymore is a way of creating heaven here on earth. It keeps their memory alive. It keeps their energy alive. And there's a lot that we don't know about the metaphysical, but one thing we do know is that there is so much that we don't know. (laughs) And there is so much that we are still discovering about energy. We know that energy is all around us. We know that everything is made up of energy and so I have to believe that when someone dies, this idea of heaven aside for a second, right, wrong, or indifferent, I do believe that by speaking words to people's lives and legacy is is one way we can create heaven here on earth. So it's been an honor hearing these stories, this, uh, in putting this month together for you and for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I have. Now for today, uh, it's a solo episode, so you just get me Um, We're going to talk about the five stages of grief. We're going to touch on what does grief look like. We're going to touch on where do you find grief, Um, how to process grief for yourself, and also how to process and hold space for grief for other people, and just what to do about it, what to do about grief. So I want to first, I I said those out of order, I want to first talk about what it looks like. No, I want to actually talk about how we find it. How do we find grief? You know, I think that our we 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 typically go to this idea that grief is found when someone dies. And that's true. But I would I would take it a step further and say that grief happens on a daily basis for all of us at some level. And I know that can sound morbid, But perhaps one reason it sounds morbid is because of the culture in which we live that tells us that grief is bad, that grief is to be avoided, that because grief is uncomfortable, therefore it's not good. I would say the opposite. I would say A, it's inevitable, and so therefore B, we can choose to either embrace it and feel it or avoid it. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think there is suffering in the resistance. So as long as we avoid grief, we avoid growth. Ooh, that was a good sound bite. I'm going to say it again. One, two, three. As long as we avoid grief, we avoid growth. It was better the first time. The second time I was trying to perform. The first time was very organic. Uh, Sometimes I say things and I'm like, God, Eric, every once in a while, you surprise me. Um, So glad this is being recorded. Oh, what a day uh, let's, so, so, so grief is all around us happening all the time. So what do you mean by that, Eric? Well, yes, grief happens when someone dies, but I believe that all change is grief. And I believe that we're changing or called to change on a daily basis. You know, Brene Brown has talked about grief a few times on her podcast, and I have to give her credit for this one because she talks about on one of her podcasts that everyone's grief is, is the worst grief. The reason everyone's grief is the worst grief is because it's the only grief you know. I was listening to that podcast after a really, really bad breakup that I've talked about a few times on this podcast. And I was grieving the loss of that relationship. And to a certain extent, it was the worst grief I've ever felt. And on this podcast, it was during COVID. And
1: Brene Brown talks about how, you you know, if you've lost a parent, that could be absolutely the worst grief
0: you've ever felt. For some people, it could be the worst grief you ever feel. But during the pandemic, she said, you know what? It actually might have been one of her guests that said this. Um, He said, you know what? For the 18-year-old that just found out that their prom is canceled because of COVID, it's quite possible that is the worst grief that they have ever felt. And I thought that was so profound because they haven't experienced anything else. So that is, that is their pain threshold. And so it does us no service to say, oh, get over it. Oh, you're fine. Or, oh, you think that's bad? Comparing your grief to others. Oh, you think that's bad? Wait to what I have to say. Wait to what I've been through. We all know those people. That is such a narcissistic trait. I'm not saying everyone that does that is a narcissist, but that's a narcissistic trait. Oh, you stubbed your toe and it hurts? Oh, one time I stubbed my toe and it was the worst. Yeah, well, I stubbed my toe now and I'm hurting now. Can we give myself some love? (laughs) I don't know why my mind went to stubbing my toe, but all change is grief. And so therefore, we are always letting go of something that no longer serves us and always making space for the new and the now. So... Let's talk about what the stages of grief are. Now, these stages of grief, um, these come from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, originally from her book of, uh, from 1969 called On Death and Dying. Now, um, these are just one theory. Some people think this is um, a great roadmap. Other people think um, it's oversimplified. For me, putting words to it in this way is, is, is really helpful. So take this or leave this information as you should everything you hear from anyone. Um, and, and I want to say, I want to also say that grief is not linear. So while there are stages of grief, it doesn't mean you experience them one right after the next. Once you leave one, you go to the next and you'll never go back to the first. The reason it's dangerous to feel that way oh, I'm done with denial. I'm in anger. I'm done with anger. I'm into bargaining. Oh crap. I'm in anger again. Something must be wrong with me. I am regressing. Well, first of all, you can never regress because there's no way of going in a time machine, at least not yet, and going back in time. You can't regress. But what's probably happening or what's possibly happening is that your trauma is being reactivated in a new way with new stimuli. Your trauma is probably being reactivated in a new way, with new stimuli. So you might go back to that feeling of anger. You might be in the depression stage and go back to bargaining. You might feel
1: like you fully accept it. And then one year later, you hear a song on the radio and you just break down.
0: It doesn't help you to say, oh stupid, I thought I was over this. Whether it's a breakup or the death of a love, whatever allow yourself to feel it, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'll say them in the order that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross gives gives them, but that doesn't mean that, that you will always feel all of them or that you'll always feel them all in this way or in this order or that you'll never, that they won't come in waves. And the first stage is denial, right? Oftentimes we struggle to accept the reality of the situation. Um, one of the characters on succession if anyone has seen it was his father dies and he's fine and his brother and her sister are a mess i don't know if i should use the word mess but they're processing it in a much different way and he goes no i'm fine i uh i uh what does he say oh he says oh i i find i think i pre-grieved before he died i did a lot of pre-grief uh which is just great and then we find out later that at his Father's funeral, he breaks down, realizes maybe that wasn't true. Maybe he didn't pre-grieve. Maybe he was just in the stage of denial for a lot longer. The second stage that we often feel is anger, and this is when the reality sinks in. Most people, or many people, I should say, feel frustrated and angry. You know, uh, again, breakups, um, the death of a loved one, um, moving. You know, first we're like, oh, no, no, we're fine. We're fine. I'm totally, totally fine. Well, maybe you're fine or maybe you're just in the stage of denial. And then the anger sets in. Wait a second, right? Anger is a very compassionate emotion. And that might be a strange thing to hear for some people, but it's true because anger is protecting you from something a lot more vulnerable and a lot scarier, like sadness, like fear. Anger is a way to protect your inner child, to shield your inner child. It's not healthy or good
1: to stay in anger forever, but it's also not healthy to ignore the anger. So allow yourself to feel that anger. The next stage is bargaining. Um, <laughs>
0: I remember once I went through a breakup and I, it was, this was a different breakup than the one I was talking about earlier. um, Ah, oh, so many breakups. Call me Taylor Swift. And uh I I just don't write songs about it, unfortunately. I'm not that talented. I just talk about it. <laughs> um, but I, I called a friend and I said, Well, maybe, maybe it shouldn't have been. maybe I did the wrong thing. This is a relationship that I ended. Maybe I shouldn't have done it. Maybe something's wrong. Uh maybe I'll just give it a day. Maybe I'll see how I feel tomorrow, right? For me, it's it's an attempt to negotiate or to alleviate the loss. I'm tired of feeling angry. I'm not ready for the next stage. I'm not ready to feel sad. So let's, let's get around that sadness. Let's do something about it. I told my friend this. And he goes, ah, you're in the stage of bargaining. And I go, oh, well, then what should I do about it? How do I get out of it? He smiled. He goes, you
1: just got to feel it, bud. You just got to feel it. So that's the stage of bargaining. Next stage is the stage of depression. It's really when we come to terms with the reality of this loss. the anger often dissipates, and we just feel incredibly sad um,
0: i I'm not a therapist and I'm not a doctor, but I would say that the level of this stage of depression is not the same as clinical depression uh it's 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 a it's a typical and normal. Process uh, response to grief,
1: and um, often is external because of what we have lost, right? Um, and and I'll also say this is not necessarily a stage,
0: but oftentimes people feel numb, and they think, "Well, I'm not angry anymore. Uh, I, I'm I'm nothing. I guess I'm fine." And and of course, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. You're always fine. You're never broken because there's nothing to fix. But oftentimes I find that, that, that numbing. I mean, it could be denial because it's a little similar to that. Um, it might just be that your body's not ready to fully accept it. So yeah, I guess that is denial. It's possible to go from anger back to denial. Like
1: I said, just thought that out loud and realized it as I was speaking. And then the fifth stage is acceptance. Um, it's coming to terms with the reality and thats it doesn't necessarily mean that the pain is gone but it's oftentimes the, the, the
0: moment where we begin to come to terms and recognize that the world is still
1: moving with or without that person or that idea or that home or the pet or the relationship I know oftentimes people will,
0: will sort of add another step and it could be to find meaning, and I really love that. Find meaning. Don't rush it. Don't try to find meaning the day of. That's what I always do. That's probably my denial or or my bargaining. Well, let me just rush to finding the meaning so I can move on and not feel this. Um I fully believe that the universe God is always providing for us. I would never say this to someone. Oh, you just lost your father. Well, 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 congratulations. The universe is providing for you. I would never say that. Um, and it's, it's not something that someone can tell you. It's something you have to discover on your own. You live the question and hopefully you find yourself into the answer, um, someday, but those are the stages. And I kind of, I kind of talked a little bit about other things that I wanted to talk about, you know, you know, what does it look like? Well, it looks different for everyone. So don't compare your grief to others. Where do we find it? We find it on, uh, on every page of every day of life. Um, it's, 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 it's when you're at work and your boss tells you that you need to implement a new software and you don't want to, you're sort of grieving. I'm not saying that's your worst grief you've ever felt unless it is. Um, but you're you're letting go of that which no longer serves you. This old software, and you're making space for something new and hopefully more efficient. And oftentimes, at first, you're like, "I don't want to do this. This takes too long." Well, of course, it takes too long because you're just learning it. Um, that can be. You can go through the stages of grief. Then it's the death of something that no longer serves you, making space for something new. Um, like I said, a relationship is absolutely the death. I always feel the way I describe relationships or the, the, the ending of a relationship sometimes is that it feels like I'm at a funeral and no one else is there. You know, it's, it's like, and I'm not saying it's better or worse than when someone dies, but when someone dies oftentimes, not always, but often there are people around there's community.
1: There is a funeral there, are, there, there's, there's ritual and there are people there to help you process. Again, I'm not comparing the two. However, I, I I have often felt alone in the breakup process because I think no one else really
0: knows. But I guess you could say that about all grief, couldn't you? I've been told, I was told this a long time ago, so don't quote me or tell, ask me who said this, but I was told once that oftentimes when someone loses, someone the worst part is about a month after the loss, because by that time, usually the meals stop coming in, the phone calls stop, and you feel that loneliness. And that's when that really, really sets in. And I could see that. I could see that being being true, which I'm totally going out of order from the, from what I said we were going to talk about. But I want to I speak a little bit on how you can help others process their grief next. Ever since I found out about that, that, um, oftentimes one month later is, is the worst. Oftentimes when someone loses a loved one, gosh, if you're listening to this and I didn't do this for you, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Don't take it personally. Not every time, but oftentimes when I, when I know someone who's lost someone, I will put in my phone a
1: reminder to text them one month later and just see how they're doing. Ask them how they're feeling. Um. And maybe
0: consider putting a memo in your phone one year later, the anniversary mark. I've done that with
1: friends before as well. How are you feeling is a really powerful question. Um, not telling people what to think. You know, I think some people are so
0: uncomfortable by grief that they don't know how to hold space for it for other people. And so they say, it's going to be okay. Don't worry, it'll be okay. And I know I'm jumping around from topic to topic but you can see that in the death of a relationship. You can see that in the death of a of a partnership,
1: right? Oh, you're going through a breakup. It'll be okay. You're a catch. That might not be what they need to hear. They might need to hear I'm so sorry that you're hurting. Let me hold space for you. What can I do for you
0: right now? Not trying to give anything away, but I had a conversation, one a conversation you're going to hear. Um, later on this month with Carrie. And she says that one thing she loves to say is when, and this is specifically when uh, someone dies, is she says, w- what do you like to eat? What are your dietary restrictions? What can I bring you
1: to nourish you? And she said, she doesn't like saying, what, what do you need from me? Um,
0: because sometimes that question is so overwhelming and people don't know what they need. Um. I am so grateful to say that my parents are both still alive. And so I have, I've yet to experience the dot, the death of a parent. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I can not speak on that, but, but Carrie, who has lost a mom said, yeah, don't ask, what do you need? Um, give them, uh, offer to do something for them. I really love that, that, that feedback. I will say for me personally, in my own experience of grief, this is specifically speaking of, um, a breakup, one of the breakups I've talked about tonight already. Uh, I had a friend say after I was just crying to her on the phone. This is maybe four years ago or so. She said there was long silence. She she held a lot of space for me, and she said, "What do you? What can I do for you right now? What do you need from me right now?" For me personally, to each their own. To me personally, I really liked that. I didn't have an answer, but I liked that they asked the question. Because I felt held, and I knew that later, if I felt sad, I could message them or text them or call them, and that they would be there for me. Because they said at that moment, what do you need from me? But the biggest thing is don't tell people how to feel, and don't tell people that they are wrong for feeling what they feel. I know it sounds crazy, but saying like, it'll be okay, don't worry, that is similar, it's very synonymous with saying, you're wrong to feel
1: what you feel. Don't feel that way feel this way allow them to feel what they feel i i don't know if he remembers this but i remember um a long time ago i was a kid and um one of my aunt's sons died in a car accident and um I remember going to the wake and I saw my aunt and my dad was in front of me and my dad hugged her and he said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry.
0: And he he had to have said it several times and she just wept, just wept in his arms. I'm getting emotional now
1: thinking about that because it was such a, beautiful moment. And I'm sure my dad doesn't remember it, but it was a
0: really good lesson for me. It was a really good, oh, I'm just, I haven't ever verbally processed this before. So welcome. Thanks for being my therapist. Um, It was a really beautiful moment and a really, it was a good moment for me to see.
1: It it was a good, uh, it was a good lesson through action for me to see my dad was was a really good really
0: good role model for me in that moment of grief not saying anything else just i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i could tell is exactly what she needed to hear in that moment so it brings us to my last question right we've talked about the five stages we've talked about you know how it looks it looks different for everyone um you know some people go back to work right away. some people stay in bed for a month. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. I would say if we if there were a wrong and there's not, but if there were, it would be to avoid it. But again, who knows, y'all, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the avoidance is 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 the denial. So who am I to say that's even wrong? That's why I say there's no right or wrong um but it looks different for everyone everyone's grief is their own we find it in every stage of our lives whether it's macro or micro um how to process it for ourselves right if we're going to not tell other people what to feel how to feel don't tell yourself how to feel
1: instead of saying don't tell yourself to do something i'll tell you what to to consider consider allowing yourself to feel allow yourself to feel what you feel when you feel it. Consider journaling about it.
0: You know, we fear journal in my program, my 10 week program on a daily basis, write down exactly what you're feeling. Um, move. And again, you're going to hear both Carrie and Cammie talk about this, but move, close the blinds, turn on a song. It doesn't have to be a song that reminds you of them, although it can be if you want. And just move, allow your body just to move because there is energy that gets stored in our body and that turns oftentimes to something even like cancer. Allow the energy to move. Emotions are nothing more than moving energy. Emotions are simply energy that is moving. And when it gets stored up in our body, it creates blockages and tension and, again, Stress and again, cancer and trauma. Well, it's tr- it can be trauma either way, but allow it to move. And sometimes that's breathing. Sometimes it's breath work. Sometimes it's
1: just putting a song on and just moving. And don't think about anyone seeing you because no one can see you. Allow yourself to move. Um. Yeah, and 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 what to do about it? Well, feel it,
0: feel it, and recognize that. Recognize that it is inevitable. Some other things that you can consider doing besides allowing yourself to feel it is seek support, reach out to people when you're hurting. It doesn't have to be as drastic as someone dying. It doesn't even have to be a breakup. I'll tell you a story. I, this apartment, if you're on YouTube, the apartment that you see behind me, I love this apartment. I just moved here a few months ago. I loved my studio for my last apartment. I was in a studio. I'm in a one bedroom now. And when I was in the studio, I signed a lease for this apartment here that I'm at now. And I very, very much regretted it. And I had doubts. What did I do the wrong? What if I did the wrong thing? It's more money. Can I really afford it? I love this apartment. Maybe I shouldn't leave this apartment. Am I not being grateful? And then I recognized, oh, it's not that it's not time for me to move. It's that I'm going through the grieving process. Did you hear that bargaining, y'all? The denial was like, I want to get out of this apartment. I'm ready for the next one. Let's go.
1: Bargaining was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. I don't know if this is right for me. Um,
0: and when I was able to recognize this is th- and going through the stages of grief, I was much more successfully able to feel all of the stages of grief and move through them. and. Let go of that which was no longer serving me to make space for something new, better and different. We're going to talk a little more about that idea of letting go and making space for something new this month. I'm not saying that when you let go of a loved one specifically that you make space for a new loved one. I'm not, I'm not saying that, um, but we'll talk about that in some other interviews later this month. Um. So yeah, allow yourself to feel. Seek support. Consider um, consider celebrating milestones. Like I said, sometimes one month out and 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 a year out, I'll I'll reach out to people and ask how they're feeling. I guess that's not a celebration, but if you're experiencing grief yourself, experience you know, consider what would make you feel good. It doesn't have to be something literal like visiting a, a, a grave site. Um, it could be when you're ready playing their favorite song I don't want to give too much away because we'll talk about this with Megan but I'll never forget when her friend died by suicide Um, I'll never forget being over at a mutual
1: friend's house and turning on Dolly Parton's brand new day I think that's what it's called Um, I'll have
0: to fact check that come back for a later episode and I'll talk to Megan about it and just silly dancing we just danced, and we, we ordered Chinese food and, from, to be delivered, and we also ordered ice cream to be delivered, and we just binged, and we told stories, and we laughed, and it was so fun. There, there was so much beauty in the breakdown of that grief in that moment. Allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling, everything you're feeling, you are right to feel what you're feeling. So that's all I got for today, y'all. Thanks for joining me. Um, It's going to be really, really, really beautiful to have these conversations about grief. And you know what? Um, I am not a grief coach myself, but if you need help, you are more than welcome to reach out to me. Um, I I have talked about suicide a few times, so I think it's important for me to say that if you were in the United States and you are ever experiencing suicidal ideation or someone you know is, to call 988 for help. Um, that being said like I said seek help if you need help most importantly if nothing else allow yourself to feel what you feel and seek help when needed and that's all I got for you today Uh, it's been a pleasure now we will be talking more about grief this month one thing I didn't mention today I guess I can mention it now because why not Um, oftentimes grief is found in, in, in in coming out of the closet you know it's it's Oh my gosh. Hey, Google, stop. That is so embarrassing and I'm not cutting that out. Better stopped. Sometimes it doesn't listen to me. Maybe you didn't even hear it. It just sounds like I'm talking to a ghost. Google when It gave me a reminder that I am running out of time. Um, sorry about that. Uh, so grief can be found... <laughs> Grief can be found in, 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 in the coming out process. You can let go of that life that that's no longer serving you to make space for this beautiful life. You grieve relationships, people that don't love and support you because of who you are. I always say coming out doesn't make your life easy. It makes your life authentic. Relationships become more authentic. And sometimes you have to let people go in order to make space for newness and people who really love and support you as you are. So, while I'm not a grief coach, I am a coach who helps gay men and bi and trans men to free themselves from church shame. And I can absolutely help you in your own grieving process of coming out of the closet, of letting go of that which no longer serves you, and making space for your beautiful, whole, authentic self. If you need any help with that, you can reply to any email you get from me. You can email me at eric at com. You can DM me on on, uh, Instagram at Eric Feltis. I love you all. Thank you for being here. And I will see you with a guest next week. Bye. All right, my friends, that's all we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Great Unbecoming. And if you did, please share this on your social media and tag me, Eric Feltis. That's Eric Feltis on Instagram and Facebook and eric.feltis on TikTok. And to make sure you don't miss another episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts and go ahead and give us a five-star review. Your ratings and reviews are really the fuel that keep us going and we're so grateful for your support. And of course, check out this episode and all episodes on our YouTube channel at Life Coaching by Feltis. And finally, don't forget to go to www.lifecoachingbyfeltis.com and sign up for our email list and stay up to date on everything that's coming up and going on in our shame-free community. I will see you next time. And until then, know that in this space, you are always seen, supported, and celebrated.
1: Bye for now.